Hello, hello, beautiful peace lovers, peacemakers. Welcome to Peace Mindedly, a podcast show featuring peaceful bridge makers. This is season five on, on Peace Mindedly, and I'm Sara Jamshidi, your host today. Our conversation today is going to be about learning Arabic. And, and learning this beautiful language. I can assure you that learning Arabic is not way or more difficult than learning English. Rooted in the Body, Arabic Metaphor and Morphology is a book by Lisa White, illustrated by Mahmoud Shaltoud. Lisa White was a senior instructor in Arabic language and former executive director of CASA, Center for Arabic Study Abroad. Lisa knows Arabic language, understands Arab society. She has an intimate knowledge of the culture. She can explain variations of words in Arabic to make us understand this very complex and beautiful language. For us here, I do have Lisa White. Hello, Lisa. Hello. Nice to be with you. Absolutely. It's a pleasure to be with you. So, Lisa, I, I mean, I'm just curious to know what happened. What happened that you decided to write this book? Well, I think I can say that it's been a journey. Uh, so Rooted in the Body is the, the product of my lifelong fascination with languages in general and uh, Uh, with Arabic in particular. And it's also the product of my collaboration with, with Egyptian comic artist and professor of public health, Mahmoud Shaltoud. So after studying Arabic in the United States and France and Egypt, I began teaching it at the American University in Cairo. And 40 years, uh, this June actually, 40 years of living and working in Egypt has been a cultural apprenticeship as well. As I, the reason actually what, what uh, brought Rooted in the Body into being was that I wanted to help my adult students uh, understand Arabic structure more quickly and easily than I had. And also to uh, learn and retain vocabulary more efficiently. So Arabic has a very big vocabulary. It's really uh, impressive. And uh, when you're learning as an adult, it takes extra effort to, to uh, upload this vocabulary, okay? So when I became aware of the surprising prevalence of the body uh, in Arabic vocabulary and in a lot of uh, derivatives, I understood that it, it would be a really good teaching strategy. So that's that's what's behind the, the book. Mm -hmm. So Lisa, I come to you and I tell you, can you please explain me what is womb and how we, or rahim, and how we talk about. So there is a, if I can show you, so how, how what, what would you explain? Yes, ar-rahim. Uh, Uh, the womb mm, is uh, a very surprising uh, piece of vocabulary, actually. As, a, as an adult learner, we don't learn, normally, we don't learn this word first. What we learn is rahma, perhaps mercy, or, or 
Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. So ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. These are derivatives of this ra-ha-mim root, okay, which is all about mercy. But when you think about it, what is this saying about the womb? It's saying that there is no more merciful place in the body than that home of the baby in gestation. So the mother's body and specifically the womb is, is uh, wonderfully merciful. And if you understand that the, the basic, the, the, this, this, that rahm, uh, the physical body part, is behind all of that other amazing vocabulary, it's really, you know, you see the metaphor for the, that is at work there. And it's, it's very, it would be very sad to miss that, you know? So ar-rahm is of course not the most common piece of vocabulary, but it's the kind of thing that when you see the body, this is body part, and you see the various and sundry uh, derivatives that come from it, like al-marhum, uh, we say uh, of someone who has died, as in English, the, the dear departed or the, the, the Yes, that person we, whom we have lost. And when we call, call that person in marhum, it is to say that we hope God will have mercy on that, on that person. And so that pattern, that pattern, which is mef'ul, means that someone else did it, you see? And so the idea is that Allah yarham, uh, may God have mercy on Al-Marhum, who cannot do it himself. But all of it is coming from the source. The real source is the womb, which is a wonderfully merciful place. So that's the metaphor that's attached to a physical body part. That's amazing. Very quickly, I want to show you the page and then I come back for the next question. So when Lisa was explaining, I just wanted to show you what's happening in the book. If you have the book, so here is, here is what's happening. So we have, we have a beautiful illustration of uh, of what's uh, what is uh, rahim or womb and then we have an essay about uh, rahim and the, all of the other words that comes out of rahim and and then uh, the meanings the meanings that lisa just beautifully explained we have many other if i can just very quickly show here if we can talk about asab what can you tell us about asab or nerve? So, uh, um, asab is the source, it just means a nerve in the body, any nerve. And you can modify uh, asab with uh, a nisba adjective. This is the, and we get asabi. Asabi uh, means uh, not nervous as in English. English from nerve gives you nervous. Uh, as I might be. Hmm? Asabi, though, means high-strung, easily, easily angered, um, quick to lose the temper. And the idea behind this is multifaceted. Um, so, ta'asaba is to become 
to become short-tempered and and uh, yes, also, not asabi exactly, but, but uh, uh, the asab is to become something of a fanatic, and you can be mudasib. Uh, fanatical clinging to your opinions. And the neat thing is that asaba also means to wind something around your head like a cloth. And this tight, tight thing around your head, you know, might make you asabi. This, the idea of, of um, uh, there is an idea of tying something tightly and then being high strung and quick to to be it being irritable and then uh, from there uh, on to these other uh, aspects of short temperedness mm -hmm. beautiful Lisa. Uh, sorry and there's another one isaba isaba is a gang and there is a, a quranic uh, connection actually with osba which is a group of male relatives and the, the, it's almost as if Arabic is telling you that a bunch of uh, men, male relatives, might be uh, not the most uh, uh, relaxed and uh, whatever, but there might be this, uh, this feature of, of uh, temperament. Mm -hmm. And there's in the story of Yusuf in the Quran, we have, we have, Osba, the, the Yusuf's brothers who were jealous of him and, and uh, had made up a plan to get rid of him, actually, uh, because they wanted their father's attention. So it's uh, this idea of a group of male relatives and being high strung and uh, being temperamental and, uh, and perhaps fanatic. Excellent. Awesome. So, Lisa, I wonder what are the major differences between Arabic grammar and English grammar? Is is there like when we think about that? Is there major differences? Yes, uh, yes, of course there are. So there are different language families, uh, and uh, Arabic is uh, from the Semitic uh, branch of languages. So we can expect a different structure. Uh, so structure and grammar are not quite the, 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 same, uh, the same thing, but what I'm particularly interested in is, is the structure of the language uh, and especially about how roots are so powerful in Arabic. So English has roots too, uh, but it's uh, a bit different and not as pervasive as in Arabic. So one root in Arabic, you get a lot of mileage out of, out of a root in Arabic, and especially out of body roots because they're so old and they are primal. You know, they are, they are expressing things which, language which has been around from the dawn of time. Uh, it, and so they are loaded with with psychic uh, power and also with cultural cultural power. They've been around for so long that we find lots of things like whatever Ain and Udun and Sadr and whatever in the Quran and also in modern journalism or in medieval poetry. Uh, this kind of language, language of the body uh, doesn't expire. 
it's it's very old and very culturally uh, hefty and th sometimes very funny there are it's wonderful uh, really to to go digging in these roots and see what you come up with so lots of surprises Mm -hmm. Yes, when we, when we, it's just my own ignorance, I just don't know, when we say somatic, so it's in a somatic family, uh, so we have somatic and then what is English, what is English uh, family structure in language? So Indo-European, Indo-European, Indo and then, so they branch out, you know, and then, uh, so we have things coming from Latin, through you know, Latin and Italian and French and stuff. And then we have English also has input from, from German. So English, English is uh, a bit uh, made up of layers. There are lots of things in there, um, influences that is, but Latin and Greek uh, in Indo-European family, we get input from Greek and from Latin and then also from, from uh, uh, from German too. What well, semantic so, is different? So it's a different yeah. setup. Yes, yes. So mm -hmm. so Arabic and Hebrew are, are very closely related, and uh, yeah, it's a, a, a different family. So one can expect a different way of of of, of ordering uh, uh, one's vision of things, as one would expect it in Chinese, for example. Who knows? But they had a, a, an independent development and so uh, another way of expressing things uh, way of accessible to us because especially especially if you learn how to use the morphology because it's extremely regular the wonderful thing about arabic is that the the uh, structure with root x and then the the words that come that that could come from it is highly highly regular and so you can make educated guesses in arabic if you have if you have a good introduction to the roots and patterns and that's what it's, in body is for exactly and it's also so to amuse you it's also yes. to amuse you because you can take it in a lighthearted way with the their illustrations and there's lots of pop culture thrown in and there's cultural references to things from the from Western culture that my a student who doesn't know Arabic yet uh, would like to see. I mean, something that I'm not familiar when I don't know Arabic and I don't know so much about about Arab culture. It's nice to have other cultural items thrown in, and so that we have in the illustrations things from. Egyptian pop culture, but also from British pop culture. So there are a couple of Beatles uh, in the illustrations, and there are Amer Angela Davis is in in uh, an illustration, and so forth. So, so how so, did you choose? I mean, you and um, uh, Mahmoud. So how did you choose? Of okay, this is the kind of illustration that we want to uh, portray for this word or this set of words. How did you choose? So well, the vocabulary itself does a lot of the choosing. So if you have, for example, head, and the the, the vocabulary derived from head will have would be president, rais and uh, Raisi, principal, 
and uh, Riasa presidency and Ratsamalaya uh, capitalism. So this vocabulary will suggest that you perhaps illustrated with a president or in our case, uh, uh, Karl Marx. So Karl Marx being the, the uh, symbol of capitalism in, uh, for, for many Westerners. Uh, so his, his illustration is there. Uh, so depending on the, we, we made the illustration go with the vocabulary whenever possible. And then there, but there is also room for, for elaboration. There are, there are some, some, some vocabulary needs a context. And in this, I, some of the items I suggested to Mahmoud, and some of it I left to his inspiration, uh, because he is a he is a, coming from a multicultural background, and uh, just the sort of person who might choose wisely. So, did you have disagreements over what to do? Um, no, no, we, we did not actually, which is rather surprising for a three-year collaboration. One would think, uh, that, uh, uh, but uh, it was a quite, quite a smooth uh, process really. And in any case, uh, at first, I, when I, before I uh, became acquainted with Mahmoud, I used some illustrations from the net for my students, but I didn't have, uh, I, of course, I didn't have copyright privileges. And so I could only make, you know, five or six copies for the students of a class. I couldn't, uh, uh, I couldn't use the illustrations that I found on the net. And I wasn't always satisfied with them anyway. Uh, but I gave those illustrations, uh, had a little, um, ebook of them, if you will, and I gave them to, to Mahmoud to look at and use when he could, uh, something on the same, uh, along the same lines. And then uh, for the rest, it, he was free to, uh, to, make his, to make a choice. He would do the, the drawings in pencil and bring them to me. And I would look and say, oh, you know, I, I like this, I like this, I like this. Uh, I'm not so sure about that item. Could you think of something else? Could we include, you know, if I had a specific recommendation, I would make it. Otherwise, I might ask him to, to uh, choose something else. And he was very good natured about it and did that. So it went, it went quite smoothly uh, with us. Excellent, excellent. So I'm going to come back in a few minutes. Stay put, please. You are watching and listening to Peace Mindedly, a podcast featuring peaceful bridge makers. We are on season five on Peace Mindedly, and we are a range of guests and topics that we are discussing for this season. For this season, we've been talking with chefs, activists, scholars, filmmakers, and people like uh, on, a, on a various subjects, subjects uh, such as Mediterranean food, patriarchy in Islam, and also halal travels. 
to know about our programs and to know about what we are up for and what we are doing, please visit goldtoon.com. When you go there under um, Peace Mindedly podcast, you can find many of these stories that is been posted there. I do encourage you to visit goldtoon.com and Peace Mindedly podcast page. For this hour, we are talking with Lisa White, author of Rooted in the Body. Lisa is a linguist with a vast knowledge of Arabic language. She is based in Cairo and has taught at American University in Cairo for over 30 years. Okay, Lisa, so I would like to know when we learn, when we learn a new language, what do we learn? Ah. Yes, so uh, it depends, uh, I guess, uh, where we learn it, and uh, it depends a bit on our teachers, but I guess you can say that at first, at first, in learning a language, the most practical thing one needs to do is meet and greet people. So, of course, there are some basics that uh, in any language, uh, one would hope to be able to do, you know, to 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 uh, uh, to manage uh, survival, right? Uh, that that kind of thing. But especially at first, meeting and greeting. Who are you? Who am I? Uh, what do you do? What do I do? And so forth. So that at first. But as as you move on and and uh, um, you begin, you cannot separate language from culture. You know, it is. They are wrapped up in one. It's uh, there is no culture, I think, uh, uh, without language, and and very little language without culture, right? So even to say assalamu alaikum, it's a it, it, there's a long cultural history behind that, and the more you understand, the better. At first, of course, baby steps, and then. Uh, as soon as you can, you move on to uh, to use that culture to make the language that you produce more meaningful. Mm-hmm. Lisa, what happened? Why you got interested in Arabic? Mm. Okay, well, so I I love languages. I thought just was intrigued. The first one that I took was Latin. In fact, in Latin, there was really no meeting and greeting uh, that I recall. It was, you know, hick, hike, hoke, and so forth. It was very grammar, grammar-based and whatever. But I still loved it, even though it was, you know, uh, a, a dead language, because there's, it's so helpful in uh, understanding how, where English roots are coming from. So that for me was very intriguing and it ended up being a really nice foundation for me going forward linguistically. Latin has all these fancy cases. So you have, and Arabic has it and the German has that. So it's, it ended up being uh, exposed to that first made the others uh, seem easier, I think, I think. So anyway, I got, I got started on by Latin and then, and then French and Spanish in high school. And uh, I, I just uh, enjoyed the, um, the discovery process. And I think I'm someone who likes puzzles. And so it felt 
learning a language felt a bit like working on a puzzle, uh, but just nicer, you know, it's uh, more, more delicious, I guess I can say. And I had, so I did a bunch of Indo-European languages for briefly in college. And I was really, I was really very curious about what if we, if I got outside of that language family, I wanted to see something that wasn't coming from that, that old, you know, Greco-Roman, whatever, you know, the, the Indo-European branch. And I didn't know I was, I didn't think my ear was good enough to try something like Chinese. And I'm also not good with, with a different alphabet is hard enough for me, but uh, to have ideograms, I, I thought that it's just, I, I, I'm going to fail if I go there. So I thought some more and I thought, okay, maybe I'll do Hebrew. And I signed up for it. And then I went to, um, I was going on a, on a spring term abroad in France. So I had to sign up early for the following senior year of courses. And I went to France and whom did I meet in France, of course, but many, many, many North Africans, whose language was Arabic. And I had never, it hadn't occurred to me before to, that I, I could also do Arabic. So when I went back to, to Penn State, which is where I was studying, I asked, would it be possible for me, do you have Arabic? Do you teach Arabic here? And they said, well, yes, we do, but only one year. And it was my senior year, it was my last year. And I said, fine, that's fine, I'll do Arabic. And I just loved it. I just loved it and knew, you know, within a couple of months of beginning, I knew that that was where I wanted to go, that it was endlessly fascinating. And uh, yeah, it was the cat's meow, so to speak. It was, it was uh, something I wanted to pursue. And I, from that time, that was in 1975, and I never looked back. Uh, until sure. What fascinated know. you about Arabic? Do you remember? Yes. Um, first of all, I couldn't believe that it was written from right to left. You know, I thought, oh, <laughs> So strange. <laughs> yeah. The script is beautiful. The the Arabic script is just beautiful. And I thought, ah, oh, well, if I could ever learn it, wouldn't that be fun? I and uh, then it was uh, all you know, uh, so that's how I started with a, a fascination with the script. And I was also annoyed at myself for never having considered it in the first place and just sort of gone to, oh, what's other than Chinese and Japanese and Vietnamese, uh, uh, what could I do that, that, that out, outside of, and to only come up with Hebrew? And I thought, why? Why not? Uh, why not go to Arabic and see what's there? And uh, I, I was so pleased to, 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 to land there, really. Yes, I, I, have a, I have a silly question. That is usually I've heard and I've encountered. 
And I've heard people say that when um, when I hear Arabic, it's more masculine, it's more forceful language. And then I've heard people saying that when um, they hear Farsi and French, is more feminine, like is more soft language. So I'm just wondering to see how do you feel when you speak uh, Arabic and when you speak English. Hmm. So Arabic is the uh, a really interesting thing about Arabic is that it's uh, there is a formal language uh, used in writing and for very formal um, uh, speech uh, on television, the, the news, something like that. And then there are the colloquial languages that people speak at home and it's not monolithic. In fact, even within one country, there are uh, there are various uh, pronunciations and and so forth. So, so Moroccans sound very very different from Egyptians, and Egyptians sound quite different from from uh, uh, Somalis and so forth. Where when when you go from, so for example, from uh, Egypt to Jordan, the difference is smaller, perhaps, or Egypt to Sudan. Hmm. Uh, well, if you're from Upper Egypt, the, the difference uh, from Upper Egypt to Sudan is uh, smaller. But when when you go, for example, from e Egypt to Iraq or from Syria to uh, Tunisia, these are such, uh, there, there is really quite, uh, there can be quite a uh, a sound change. So it depends on whom you're listening to, I guess. Yeah? But I kind of agree with you that, that Farsi has, uh, and French have this aw sound, aw. Mm -hmm. And Arabic is more ah. There's a different mm -hmm. quality often to, to some of the vowels and especially to the A vowel. So aw and, and, and yes, Farsi has this very, mm, yeah, rounded, uh, soft sound. I, I agree, it does sound that way to me too, and uh, French to an extent also. Um, but uh, I, I guess it depends on which country you're in and which subset in the country. I mean, Egypt has several dialects, and uh, yeah, it's not one monolithic entity. Sure. In the book, uh, you touch base on 125 words, but in fact, there are many, much more. It's just way much more words that we are explaining in each essay. Um, so do we have, um, do you know how many words you of Arabic you are explaining in this, in this book? No, we didn't count. <laughs> yes, probably. This is quite a lot. I'm glad that you felt that because that is that is the idea that uh, yes, each little body part has this big constellation of of derivatives, and so if you know asab, and then you can guess about asabi and taasaba and mutaasib, and if you know ras. You have Ra'is and Ri'asa and Ra'isi and Ra'asa and so forth. So each one, one little word gets you a lot of mileage. 
and the 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 real but the real clue to using that link is the metaphor and i think that might be the most important feature of the book is that each body part has or each body root i should say has an associated metaphor and you can't really know until you look at all of the derivatives and when you see them all together you can guess it becomes clear to you for example when you see rahim the womb and then you say and you see rahma and almarhum and rahman rahim you can understand that the womb and mercy mercy is the metaphor behind the womb you have a student who doesn't have a huge vocabulary has a way an image to retain and a hope that that image will help them make good guesses about how what the other what the other derivatives might mean so here's here's the deal people want to know they they need to go and buy the book and 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 see and read the book excellent thank you so much stay put with me you are watching and listening to peace mindedly a podcast show featuring peaceful bridge makers for this hour we talked with lisa white author of rooted in the body and illustrated by mahmoud shaltut uh, signature for our show is we usually ask our guests to share something meaningful about peace, about kindness and compassion. I'm just curious to know what Lisa has for us. Okay, Lisa. Okay, so I will say that um, language is the best vehicle for peace. If you, uh, if you can speak someone else's language, you have a uh, the hope of communicating, of really communicating uh, with them. And it's, it's a kind of, I think, I think, for me anyway, language is a kind of addiction, but it's the best kind of addiction, you know? Um, it's, it's a never-ending open buffet, but non-fattening. Hmm? That's why uh, you said it's delicious. Yes, it is. And there's always something new on the menu. So my feeling about it is that um, there's an uber chef, you know, the, the, the chef, which is the, the whole society. Society is like this uh, language engine. It's like a giant Google, but it's a society that creates kind of language. And then there's you and me, the little sous chefs, who are adding their, their pieces, their little bits, and together somehow it gets mixed in and uh, creates this amazing, amazing vehicle for our feelings and our hopes and our, our desires. And certainly uh, we all, I think, desire a more peaceful world, uh, one with a better focus, a truer focus on the deep meaning of culture and the things that people share, but not the things that separate them. Absolutely. Thank you so very much for this conversation, Rooted in the Body by Lisa White. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you very much. Mm -hmm. Khoda Hafiz.